Good morning, good morning, uh, and welcome back. Uh, we're happy to be back here uh, again and launching once again the breakfast classes every morning. If anyone would like to sponsor the classes, you can contact us in the synagogue, uh, info at ejsny.org. Today's breakfast and class is sponsored in loving memory of Stephen Adis, Alava Shalom Lilunishmat Yishaya Ben Esther, sponsored by his mother, Esther Adis. Breakfast is also dedicated in loving memory of Stephen Wagner, Alava Shalom Lilunishmat Shmuel Yaakov Ben Mordechai, Alava Shalom, on his Azkara, sponsored by his daughter, Nancy M. Wagner. And breakfast is also sponsored in loving memory of Lydia Aster, Alea Shalom Lilunishmat Lydia. But Didina Alea Shalom, sponsored by Avi and Joel Aster. Rabutai, in the Pasuk, in the Parasha, it tells us, Lotasu Yimin Usmol, do not turn right or left from everything that they command you. Now, this is an interesting idea. It teaches us that the Rabbanim, the Chachamim of the generations, each and every generation, even according uh, in their uh, diminishing returns, Never mind that there's no rabbis today that are considered like the Amoraim that wrote the Gemara. There's no rabbis that are considered like the Tanaim. We don't have prophets. And yet the Torah tells us about the rabbi in every generation, El Shofet, to the judge, to the rabbi, Bayami Mahem, in those days. That a person shouldn't say, Oh, I remember Chacham Baruch, and I remember Cham Yaakov Katsin, and I remember Hamuvadia Aleh Mashalom. But this rabbi, what a sketch this rabbi for Shlomo. What kind of guy is he? He do not know nothing. So I don't got to listen to him. Rather, the Pasuk says, El Shofet Bayami Mahem to the judge and to the rabbi that you have in your generation. Each generation, all it has is its rabbanim. And on those obligations, there's a pasuk in the Torah that says, Lo tasur yimin usmol. A person should not turn right nor left, mikol asher yorucha, from all that they teach you, from all that they instruct you. There's an obligation from the Torah. Rambam writes something very interesting about this. It turns out that when I make a beracha, Baruch atah amunai, Elokeinu melech haolam, Blessed are you Hashem, O God, King of the world, Asher kiddishanu b'mitzvotah v'tzivanu, who sanctified us and gave us which mitzvah? The mitzvah of? Ladlik nesh Hanukkah. God commanded us to light the candles of Hanukkah. He did not. Asks Rambam, then how could we make the beracha? Asher kiddishanu mitzvotah v'tzivanu. Every mitzvah with the Rabbanan, how are we making the beracha? Asher kiddishanu mitzvotah v'tzivanu. Ladlik nesh Hanukkah. Or any other mitzvah that's not mefurash in the Torah. Rambam answers from this. Because the Torah tells us that you have an obligation. Which means that every midrabanan is also, in essence, a deoraita. Every commandment, which is rabbinic in nature, is also biblical in nature. By proxy. Now, it's not equal to a biblical commandment in its essence, which was commanded from the, from the Torah, because it's not specifically so. It's just done by or through the process of Kol Yorucha. But once we have that understanding, we understand how a person can make the Beracha. Rabutai, the reason for this is, not just because of a person's greatness, because there are times where a Talmid Chacham is doing something that there's no way possible that he could have known that something like that was going to happen. And yet, there's a special Si'atad Nishmaya, a heavenly help, for a rabbi who's dedicating his life to leading the community, that sometimes he's capable of seeing beyond even what he's capable of seeing. There was an amazing uh, instance of this that was related by Rav David Pavarsky. In Russia, there was a man who was a Melshin. 
Now, for many of us, this is not something that we think a lot about, but it was such a problem in Jewish history that we have a berachah that was added into the Amidah, into the Shemona Yisrael. There were 18 berachot that the rabbis instituted and Shekinah Tagdola. We added one. Why? Because it was such a pernicious, prevalent problem that they could, do, they could not help themselves but to institute another berachah. Laminim, Vilamishmal Shinim, in some Sidurim it says Vilamosrim, that there were people who, in order to curry favor with the local authorities, what they would do is they would figure out how to cozy up to one of the non Jewish governors or, uh, you know, sultans, advisors, and slowly but surely, by providing them information, this guy's breaking the law like this. This guy is a rebel. This guy is speaking badly in his classes about the uh, Caesar, about the Czar, about the Caliph, you name it, um, <clears throat> different power structures. In each one of these power structures, you had people who were traitors literally to their people, and they would turn in other people in order to be able to get benefit for themselves. And that's what that Berachah is about. Laminim villa Muslim, the ones that give in. Villa Malishinim, the ones that snitch on others to the government. And then we say in the end, Shover Oivim, Umachnia Minim. We ask God to break these enemies, Umachnia, and to uh, bring them down from their high posts. Well, in the city in Russia that Rav Moshe Feinstein was the rabbi, they had one such Malashin. And his, uh, his actions brought about not just great amounts of uh, financial hardship, but rather even sending people to prison for many, many years, and uh, even cases that unfortunately resulted in the beatings or the death of people from the community. He became the most despised, the most hated, and the most feared man in the town. Everybody has their ups, and everybody has their downs. The Gemara says, Even a fox in his time, give him his kavod, because he could be dangerous. But there eventually comes a time where that person's, his 15 minutes of fame, and his time of glory, his time in the sun, <clears throat> disappears and then once again the wheel of life turns and that person becomes subject to the same things that everybody else does suddenly the guy he starts getting sicker and sicker until the day comes that he realizes he only has a few hours left he calls his family around his bed this guy this is Rasha Gamur <clears throat> and he says his goodbye to his family maybe the only people in the whole town that had any feelings of affection for this man after all he was their father after he finishes his affairs with his family, he calls the Hevra Kadisha in. He says to them, I know that in just a few short hours you're going to bury me. And he says, nobody needs to tell me the extent of my sins. I know good and well what I did. I know good and well that I was a Rasha. And I know good and well that I'm about to pay a terrible price for it. He says, please, I need you to promise me one thing. What are we going to promise you for? We owe you nothing. The guy says, please... He said, bury me in my grave, he says, like a donkey. Not on my back, not this like this, the way that every Jewish burial is buried, with such respect, with such dignity, <clears throat> but rather, bury me in, in the ground with my legs vertical, my irons like this, you know, folded over on all fours. That's how you should bury me in the ground. And that embarrassment of being buried like a donkey, like an animal, that should be a, a, a forgiveness for me for all of my sins all these years, when I actually have acted in a way which was not humane, which was not like a human, but rather like a donkey. Maybe that, that will be a zikhut for me in Shamaim. Please, please, he begs them, 
until they're moved by this teshuvah, by the guy, in the final minutes of his life, and they say, yes, he says, please sign me a document that proves, you know, that you're going to fulfill this wish. I know it's an unorthodox request in more ways than one. They acquiesce to his demand, they sign a document. Word gets back to Rav Moshe Feinstein that these guys, they promised the guy that they're going to break the halakha for him. Rav Moshe Feinstein says, Batih, Sheba Batih, I don't care what you promised him. You promised something that wasn't within your purview. You're a Hebra Kadisha of the city. You're bound by the laws and the halakhot. The halakhot state that everybody is buried in the same way. If a guy came and he asked you to be buried in an Armani suit, you couldn't do it. If he asked you to be buried in his uh, convertible car, you couldn't do it. I don't care what he asked you, what you promised him. I don't care if he was very sincere. He should have done Teshuvah before. There's no way we're allowed to fulfill this request. Okay, the rabbi said it. He's the posek of the town. You can't turn right or left. How do they bury him? Even against their promise? Like everybody else. The minute, the, the, uh, what's it called? The ceremony is over. The burial is over the next morning. The family is very upset. His wishes have not been fulfilled. Everybody's all angry about it. The minute the situation is over, all of a the sudden there's chaos in the back of the hall. There's uh, shouting, there's yelling. Who's there? The Russian police. The KGB, whoever it was at the time. Are there? They're banging on the door of the uh, of the burial. They open the door. Everybody's terrified. Usually, they come and mean someone's about to die. You will get sent to Siberia. They open the door. <clears throat> they said, "Did you just finish the burial? You came back to say the kiddush, the, the kaddish." He says, "That's a nice Freudian t- slip of the tongue for a rasha like that. You should make a, k- a kiddush when he finishes." Either way, he says the, they say the kaddish. They uh, they said to him, <clears throat> "What's it called?" Um, you know, we want you to take us back to where you buried him. He said, take us back to bed. He goes, yes. He goes, and bring your shovels. Bring the shovels. What are you talking about? They said, we want to see how you buried the guy. Dig him up right now. They said, what are you talking about? We can't dig him up. It's against the Jewish law. The Russian chief of police, he says, Jewish law. You think the Russian police give two hoots about the Jewish law? You dig it up right now or you're all going to be sent to Siberia. What are they going to do? They have no option. They dig it up. The Russian police chief, he looks into the grave and he sees the guy is buried flat on his back, exactly like every other Jew. He says, okay, close him up. And they leave peacefully. It is only then that the Hebra Kadisha understand that this man in his final moments of life did not have any thoughts of Teshuvah. But rather, he told the police that these Jews, they hate me for keeping the law. They hate the law. And you know how you know that, the, that, I'm, that it's true? Watch them bury me, not like every other Jew. Watch them bury me like a donkey with disgrace. And that's how you'll know that they have no respect for you. When the chief of police came and saw he was buried just like everybody else, they had no, they had no case. They left peacefully. But to think to yourself, first of all, Number one, what would have happened to the Jewish community had they not listened unequivocally to the psak, to the law, to the ruling of their rabbi, Rav Moshe Feinstein? Did Rav Moshe Feinstein know that this was going to happen? I don't know. I don't think he was a Navi. 
The point is that they are unwavering in their dedication to halakha, unswerving in their laying out of the Torah details, and therefore, ultimately, the beracha comes because the all of the beracha is there in the Torah. Rabbutai, that's what it means, lotasu small. But I want to leave you with one thought. With actually two questions, I want to leave today this that I saw in the Penini Malat Torah from Rabbi Shemem. Listen to this. Question number one I want to leave you with is <clears throat> What is it? How is it that a person can become such a Rasha that in his final moments of life, all he's thinking is about getting in one more stick, one more stab, one more poke in the ribs to his community? That is question number one. And question number two. What is it that that community could have done or not done for this man that could have engendered in him such a hatred? Rabotai, we have to learn from both of those questions. And we need to also learn from that the opportunity to take, to ask the questions to the rabbi of the community, of the city, of the country, whatever it is, and to follow unequivocally that halakha, the psak deen that they are giving. And sometimes you have people, they say, Rabbi, come on, you're overdoing it. What do you, you know, this, that. It's not, you know, the rabbis are always worried about this. They're always too strict on that. Well, sometimes we get to see, as we did this past summer, what happens when the lines and the boundaries that are placed for good reasons are blurred and broken. Unfortunately, it takes us to places that we never thought possible. And Be'ezat Hashem, we should be zocheh, just as we are, lot tasur yeminu smo, we don't turn to the right or to the left. God should bless us always that we are on that path, the path of Ora Haim, the path of the way of life. Me'atah ve'ad olam. Rabbi Hanayah Menach Hashem,